Thanks for joining us at Summit Church. No matter where you are at on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are excited to share God's word with you through this week's message. Hey, we had a little series we started last week, a little mini-series called Bittersweet Moments. And, uh, and how many have ever been in uh, situations where you're like really excited in one moment, turn around and then... Like you just like falling apart the next moment. You know what I'm, talk, you know what I'm talking about? You just have those moments you're up and then you're down and can't figure everything out. That's that. If you have never had any of those moments, you just need to go golfing. You know, just go golfing. That's that is what that's all about. That whole sport of golfing. I was golfing yesterday. Had I hit this 120 yard uh, shot. I don't know if you realize how hard of a shot that is when there's water in between you and the and the and the pin. And I hit the shot, and it was a little intimidating. And I'm telling you, I came like within like six feet of the hole. I was so proud of myself. I tried to not to show up, but I was so proud of myself and thought, man, I have got to be the greatest golfer known to man. <laughs> Look out, PGA, I'm coming your way. And, uh, man, I, 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 I was so proud and, you know, just kind of humbly, you know, told everybody when they asked for the score, yeah, I parred that hole. Just, no, you know, no big deal. And uh, I went to the very next hole. And I couldn't, I, the ball went this way, went that way, and into the, into the sand, and I couldn't get it out of the sand, back in the sand. I went from this to this, just in a matter of like 10 minutes. How many know life can be the same way? I know this is a little kind of a silly example, but, but in some much greater examples, I, I think there, there are serious things that happen in our life. You know, big things that take place, a birth of a baby, a ba- grandbaby, things like that are wonderful moments, and all of a sudden, you know, you leave the hospital from seeing your grandbaby and someone rear-ends your car. Come on, you go from what, what, what is that all about? And, and so life is full of these moments, and some are bitter and some are sweet. But the goal for all of us is not to be people that live in this emotional state of whatever's going on at the moment, but to be people that walk steady no matter what's happening in the moment. Come on now. I love that story about Jesus who's in the boat and there's a storm going on and he's asleep. That's crazy. You don't sleep through storms unless you're the God of the storm. Come on. And how many know that Robbie's talking about that same Christ lives in us? And so we want to talk about what are these different bittersweet moments that we experience and how, does, how do we navigate through those? What do they look like? And what is God actually trying to tell us and communicate to us through those moments? So as a form of review, last week we only got about two and a half, three points into this thing. The first thing we talked about was this, and the context of the story was Israelites coming out of Egypt and how they had been slaves for 420 years. God delivered them sovereignly through the strong hand of Moses and his leadership. And so their three days journey out of slavery and out of bondage, only to find themselves boxed in by two mountains on each side and the Red Sea in front of them. And they look, and lo and behold, the Egyptian army's on their tail coming, and they're going to capture them and take them back into captivity and bondage. And so this is when Moses, you know, stretches out his staff, the sea opens up, and on dry ground they go through and onto the other side. And then when the Pharaoh's army goes through on the same journey, uh, the, the, the water swallows them up, they all drown, and, and then this brings us to where Exodus chapter 15 takes place. Last week we talked about, number one, we're talking about bittersweet moments, life's seven bittersweet moments. Number one, life many times is a party. 
Miriam broke out her tambourine. They began to do a jig, and they began to celebrate how no longer were they captive to anybody. In fact, many times, the Old Testament stories are more than just stories. If you look at the stories, and you look, in, look at them through the eyes of, a, of imagery, actually, they're pointing to a sermon in the New Testament. Actually, the Red Sea was a sermon pointing to us because we experience the Red Sea too. When we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then we go into the waters of baptism, we're in a sense having the experience that they had. We are delivered from that thing that had kept us in captivity all that, those years. We are, set, we are baptized into Jesus Christ. And so our enemy is, is, is done away with. And so we can rejoice because we have buried an old man. And now there's a resurrection of a new man. We now have a new purpose. And there's a transformation starting to take place. And now we're on a journey that we haven't been on before. And God's going to lead us. And it's a brand new day. How many are grateful for the water baptism experience that you had? And amen, set free from those things of the past. And then we talked about how life is hard. They went immediately from this beautiful party experience straight into the desert. I mean, God didn't waste any time. Three days' journey straight into the desert. The Bible calls that desert the desert of Shur. And the word Shur in the Hebrew is the word for a wall. They went right into a wall. You ever been there before? I mean, you had a great time. Everything is good. And then you just hit a wall and stop dead in your tracks. And you cry out to God, what in the world is this? I'm in a desert. I'm in a wilderness. And that brings us to point number three that we were talking about last week, that many times in life it can be confusing. Life's just confusing. They came to Mora, and they saw this pool of water. They were so excited. They got a chance now to finally quench their thirst. It had been three days. Try going three days without having much to drink. You get to be a little cranky person, right? Get a little angry to do anything for a drink of water. And they finally arrive at this pool. And when they bent down to drink the water, and they began to drink it, they found it was bitter water, which is what Mara means. Mara means bitter. They call it the pool of Mara, bitter water. Last week we referred to the thought that that's exactly kind of what God does to us. What God was doing was he was teaching them the water that you're going to have from this point on is going to be different from the water you had in the past. Sometimes we've always, before Christ, B.C., before we ever came to know Jesus, we had these ways that we tried to cope through things. In a sense, we had our little water that we would drink, if you would, that, that helped us out. But once you came to Christ, you found out that that stuff isn't going to help you anymore. Exactly what these people are finding out right here, that what quenched my thirst before I got saved won't quench my thirst anymore after I'm saved. That God's taking me to a new place. Everything's changed. The water doesn't even taste the same anymore. Come on. So it's called Mara. What used to bring me happiness no longer satisfies me, which catches us up. That was all review. Now here we go. And so in these moments, we're tempted to, the Bible says, do something that they did. It says in Exodus 15, 24, and so the people grumbled against Moses. The King James Version says, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? I find that word murmur is a fascinating word. I don't like that word murmur, to be honest with you. 
In fact, it means literally this, a half-suppressed or muttered complaint. A low, indistinct, but often continuous sound. In fact, you've heard people murmur before. You, don't, you, can't, even, you can't even smile and say murmur. Murmur. I'm, I'm just going to murmur a little bit today. I'm going to murmur. You can't, you can't smile. The very word itself makes you frown. Murmur. I mean, you can murmur. You can, you can frown. You can be depressed. You can, you can look sad and say murmur because that's what murmuring is. You're murmuring. You're complaining. You're not letting everybody know, but you're just kind of letting it out. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe she did that. My spouse, my husband, my wife, and my kids, my, my, my teacher, my, 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 the government, the teacher, the president. My, 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 my. I mean, what did you say? Nothing. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. Well, we know what you're doing. You're murmuring. Murmur. Murmur. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, quit murmuring. Come on, just tell him, quit murmuring. That thing you do, that thing you do when things aren't going your way, that, you just got to talk, you got to grumble, you got you to make a noise, a long, long, continuous, muttered complaint. God doesn't want mutters. Get your mutter out of the gutter. I just made that one up. That was, you can tell I made that one up. See, here's what the wilderness does. The wilderness brings you to these these, these points where, where something comes out of your mouth. And here's what God wants to know. What's going to come out of your mouth? Is it going to be praise or is it going to be murmuring? Are you a murmurer? I hope you're not a murmurer. And after this, we're going to call you on it. <laughs> because the wilderness, here's what it does. The wilderness will tempt you to find someone to blame for the problems that you're experiencing. That's what the wilderness does. It causes you, they, they say, oh, it's Moses. They murmur, Moses, Moses. You know, we've been fine. We'd have been fine out there back in Egypt. But no, Moses, Moses shows up and look at us now. Look at us now. I mean, at least we had a house before. We had something to eat. At least we had something to eat. We had something to drink. Don't have nothing to drink. Everybody, three million people, three million people, a low little grumbling process going on. And Moses is over there going, what in the world? They're all murmuring, murmuring. Moses, it's Moses, it's Moses, 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 Moses. You ever had your kids? They're over in a corner. You know, you're in, they're in timeout or whatever you got, you know. They're in timeout and they're over there. And you go, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. You know even when you're murmuring, you're wrong. And you're blaming. You're blaming everybody. Blaming the teacher because you got a bad grade. Blaming your parents because they didn't raise you right. Blaming your friend because they, they, they share something personal that you share with them and you weren't, they weren't supposed to share that. You, you blame the lawyer because he didn't get enough money for your law. All these things you're blaming, 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 blaming. But God wants to know, are you going to murmur or are you going to rise up and are you going to give God some praise? Just murmur. Just, just got to complain. It's like the guy, he, he wanted to be holy. He wanted to be he wanted to be just as holy as he could, so he thought what he would do is he would enter into a monastery. And so he went in and said to the head of the monastery, he goes, listen, I want to be holy. So I, I want to be part of this monastery. He goes, well, you need to understand that this monastery is a monastery of silence. He goes, what does that mean? He goes, well, you're not allowed to talk while you're here. And all you need to do and all we allow you to do is just focus 
all of your attention on God. And then eventually, you know, um, you become maybe even holier. And uh, now at the end of the the 10 years, every 10 years, you're allowed to come back into my office here and you're allowed to share two words. After all the 10 years that God's done in your life and all the thinking, you you need to put in two words uh, of some kind of a, you know, a a, a thing that you've learned from God. He goes, all right, I'm going to do that. And so for 10 years, this monk worked and he worked and he worked and Finally, 10 years was up. He never said a word, never did anything. Came in to the leader of the monastery's office, and he goes, listen, you've been a great monk for 10 years. We're so glad you're here. And you haven't said a word. Thank you for that, doing that, honoring the order of silence that we have. So now you have an opportunity to give your two words to, to me. What are the two words you'd like to share with me that perhaps God's shown you about life? He said, food, bad. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you'll be dismissed, and we'll see you in 10 years. And <laughs> 10 years went by, and it was time for him to come back into uh, the le- leader of the monastery, and he hadn't said a word for 10 year- more years. And finally, he says, what would you like to say after 10 years? He goes, bed hard. All right, well, thank you very much. Appreciate your, your, uh, your words there that you shared. Um, we'll dismiss you and we'll see you in 10 years. And so another 10 years went by, 30 years. He's been in this monastery trying to become holy and like God. Finally comes into the leader of the monastery after 10 more years. He goes, what would you like to say now? After 10 more years, he goes, I quit. (laughs) And the leader of the monastery said, well, you might as well quit. You've been complaining ever since you've been here anyway. (laughs) Murmuring, complaining, nothing's ever good enough. No one's ever going to be good enough for you anyway. Number four, what, is, what are some of these life moments, these bittersweet moments we get to experience? One of them is this, that life's just flat out mysterious. You just kind of scratch your head and wonder, what in the world is this all about? You know, the word Mara or the place Mara is kind of interesting because it's also called by some people the great potty stop. Yes, I said potty. I said potty in church. The great potty stop. Jamie Buckingham, an expert in desert conditions in his book, A Way Through the Wilderness, wrote this about the pool of Mara. He said that the pool of Mora was filled with lots and lots of magnesium. If you don't know what magnesium is, magnesium is what they use in a laxative. And so God brought them out of Egypt to give them a laxative. Come on. <laughs> so we can laugh about this, right? We can, is it like, you know, <laughs> can we laugh about it? Yes, you can laugh. We're talking about potty stops. Well, really, the reality was that in Egypt there were a lot of parasites and uh, a lot of diseases and there were a lot of amoebas and things that they had brought with them out of the land. And God wanted to, can I say it like God wanted to clean them out. In the natural, God wanted to clean them out. He, he wanted to get them ready for this trip, but they had to get rid of some of the things that they brought with them in the journey. Hello? 
the great potty stop. Sometimes the place that you're at is really a place of cleansing, if you allow it. Not, not, not in the physical realm, but even in the spiritual realm is what I'm talking about. In fact, if you would find magnesium, it is used really as a basis of a drug called dolomite. And dolomite is the drug that athletes use to train when they're in a lot of extreme hot weather or humid weather. And what dolomite does is it keeps their muscles from cramping and it keeps uh, uh, their muscles from having spasms and even controls their heart fibrillation uh, process. So basically, if you're training as an athlete in a heated condition, they'll give you dolomite or they'll give you magnesium. All these things were found at this pool of Mara. So when they drank this bitter water, it was actually a, a medicine, if you would, cleaning them out and preparing them for the hot journey that was in front of them. Can I just tell you this morning that sometimes the bitter water makes you better? And sometimes you may not understand it at the time, but if you give God a little bit of a, 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 a time to work with, he will make this situation sustain you for the long haul, and he'll clean you out of some stuff that you didn't even know you had from the land called Egypt and prepare you for the purpose and the road that he's got in front of you. Can you give God some praise and say amen? And so Exodus 15, 25, Moses cries unto the Lord. The Lord shows him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Now, they've done research, and they have found that there is no tree known to man which can make a bitter water sweet. There's no tree. There's Go into all the woods, the forests you want around the world. You're not going to find one tree that can, you, you can take it and touch water that's bitter and it'll become sweet. So Moses wasn't looking for a tree as an answer for his solution. And unfortunately, many times we don't either. God literally had to open his eyes, doesn't he? And say, hey, hey, the solution to the problem that you got right here is right over there. See that tree? I can see Moses going over and looking at this tree and, and saying, how is this an answer to that? Just take this tree, God says, and throw it into the water. Okay, what is it about this tree that I don't know that's going to be able to do something about this situation that I do know? Can I tell you something this morning? There is a tree that we all need to open our eyes to, that's always available to us. It's called a cross. A cross equals love. You ever heard that before? In fact, if you haven't heard that, we got some good bumper stickers we'd love to give you. Put you on the back of your window, a window sticker. A cross equals love. We have found to be true that cross is love. And what Jesus did on the cross will now turn your bitter problem into a sweet solution. What he did on the cross changes the sharp circumstance into a pleasant experience. I want you to know that there is a cross, there is a tree that you can grab at any moment and you can throw it into your situation. There's always a tree within reach because what Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus did on the tree was now sufficient for your bitter waters that you're in now. You can go grab the tree, throw it into the water, and suddenly everything changes. Come on, give God some praise. Oh, my goodness. So the question is, are you looking for the tree? Moses wasn't looking for the tree. God opened his eyes, and he saw 
Sometimes I think we need our eyes open for the revelation of the tree. We need our eyes open for the revelation of the cross. When Jesus was on that cross, one of the greatest things he says is, it is finished. In other words, everything that we struggle with, an answer can be found through him for that problem and situation and thing we're struggling with. Could a tree simply be an answer to your marriage problem? Could it simply be a tree is the answer to your health issues that you're facing? Could it be as simple as the fact that there's a tree as an answer to your sleepless nights? Could it be simply that a tree is an answer to your depression or your stress or your uh, 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 discouragement that you're going through? Could it literally be the answer of just my eyes open to a tree that Jesus died on 2,000 years ago in a place called Golgotha? Could it be simply a tree and the fact that on that tree something took place in the heavenlies that now affects everybody in the earthly? Could it be a tree? And the answer is yes, it is a tree. So God shows Moses this tree. And until you let that cross enter into your situation, your situation many times will continue to be bitter. As long as you want to, as long as you ignore the cross, as long as you try to put your head down, barrel through it, and, you know, figure it out on your own, good luck. There's a tree sitting there waiting for you. If you would just be wise enough to go to Jesus, he's going to make this thing sweet again. Another lesson we learned, number five in life, another, well, is actually that. I gave you the answer. Life's a lesson. It's another bittersweet moment that sometimes life's just a lesson. Chapter 15, Exodus 25, and the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them, and he put them, look at this, he put them to the test. Mara was a test. Don't you love tests? I mean, what would we do without tests? Wouldn't you like to live a life without a test? How many students would love to go to school without ever having to take a test? I remember going to school and Man, we'd just be having a wonderful time before the teacher ever got there. We'd be just talking, joking, clowning around, sharing candy, talking about what we're going to do, you know, uh, after school, blah, blah, blah. Teacher walks in. We all sit up. The teacher goes, everybody put your books under your, under your desk. Pull out one clean sheet of paper. Write your name on the right-hand top corner. What's going on, teach? We're having a pop quiz. Don't you? Pop and quiz don't go together. You know what I'm saying? Pop, I love pop. I don't love quizzes. Pop and quiz should never, they, they ruined my word for pop. When everyone says, I, you want some pop? I'm like, don't you talk about pop. I don't like pop quiz, pop soda, pop whatever. Pop test, pop quiz. God wanted to give them a pop quiz because God comes from time to not time and he wants to see, have you learned the lesson? That's the whole purpose of a pop quiz. I want to make sure that you're tracking with me, that I'm not just talking above your heads. i got to make sure that you're learning the process. So my question is, 
What is the test that God has brought them to? What is he trying to figure out? What does he want to learn from these people? And what do they need to learn from this experience? Number one, glad you asked. What is he testing us on? The number one thing is, what am I going to say when things are not working out? Ouch, that hurt. What are you going to say when you're in circumstances that are not working out? What are you going to say? What comes out of your mouth when you come to the situation that you feel like, God, you're in the will of God. You don't feel like you're... You're violating the purpose of God. You're right where you should be, but yet everything in front of you looks like it's not making sense. It's not lining up. And and God, are you a mean God? Are you what? What's the deal here? What? And 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 and, and, and what is going to happen here? Is what he wants to know. Are you going to murmur? Are you going to complain? Are you going to gripe? Are you going to blame? Or are you going to praise? Are you going to praise? Test number one, what's going to come out of your mouth when things don't line up the way you think they should line up? Number two, he wants to know, what am I going to look for? Are you going to look for a miracle? Or are you going to look for a doctor, or are you going to look for the government, or are you going to look for uh, your spouse, or teach somebody else to make the make this thing right? What what are you going to look for? What God says, you there are points where He brings you to, and the only way you're going to get through this is is if there's a miracle. See, we don't we don't believe that in America as much. I mean, other countries they get it. There are times in your life where you have to have a miracle. And that's what God is good at. What are you going to look for? Number three, the third part of that test is, what am I going to believe for? Do I believe God can can do something mighty here? Mm. Do you know, well, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he himself bore our sins, in his body on the cross. Why? So we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And get this, by his wounds, you have been healed. And so we have prayer teams that come up here every Sunday after service. And, and, and they are here to do one thing, and that is to agree with you in prayer about a miracle that you need or somebody that you know needs. And it could be many things, because we really believe the scripture when it says, wherever two or more are gathered together in my name, I'm there. And whatever thing that they touch on earth, it shall be granted in heaven. Uh, we believe that with everything we have, and so we, we, we station on purpose people that we know have, know how to touch the Lord and will want to agree with you in prayer and touch something, because we believe that if, if, if we can speak it, then we can create it with our mouth into the earth. We'll talk about that just a little bit, touch on more. Number six, bittersweet moments. Life is hopeful. Life is hopeful. He said, verse 26, 
Moses said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and you do what is right in his eyes, get this, if you pay attention to his commands, if you keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of these diseases I brought to the Egyptians. Watch this. For I am the Lord who heals you. Oh, man. See, see, God has many Hebrew names. He's got Jehovah Nisi, my banner, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's got, he's got like seven or eight different Jehovah types names that he's described as in the Old Testament. But this is the first time that he's ever disclosed to anybody the fact that he is Jehovah Rapha. That's what the Hebrew word is. He says, I am the Lord. When the word Lord there is Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. In other words, I am a God that brings healing to your bodies. I am, the, I am here to cure you. I am here to repair you. I am here to make you whole. So right off the bat, they had to come to this understanding that, this, that the God wants, to, out of this bitter situation, bring a revelation of himself to them that in the midst of this bitter situation, even maybe taking place inside your body, that God is a God that heals. Right off the bat, before they go any further into the wilderness, they had to know God was going to be there to heal them. Because in the Old Testament, they didn't have doctors and nurses falling around. They didn't have hospitals out in the middle of the wilderness. They didn't have, they didn't have you know, paramedics and ambulances and, you know, you know, life flights and helicopters flying them to, you know, places to get healed. They, it was either God or they were going to die. They break a bone. We don't even know how. We don't have doctors set bones. So, God, you have to do something. God, oh, you got a broken bone. I'll, I'll just heal it. And the Bible says for 40 years, God, God ministered to them, and there was not one feeble person among them. Their, their clothing wouldn't even wear out. They're, they had the same sandals on that they had for 40 years. They're just breaking them in. They, that God became to them not just a, a, a father, but God became, came to them a, 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 a Jehovah, an entity that would touch their physical body all throughout the wilderness. Do you believe that you have that kind of a loving father? He, he wants to heal you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to mend you. He wants to make you whole. And he can, and he will, and he does. For he is the God that healeth thee. I want to have our worship team come. We'll close out with this last point. As the worship team comes, here's a bittersweet moment. Life has a meaning. Life has meaning. Once you feel like life no longer has meaning or purpose, you just kind of lay down, don't you? You kind of give up. You're discouraged, depressed. And life has meaning. So chapter 15, verse 27, And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. 12 springs, 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. They'd just come out of this bitter experience just down the road, where they learned a lot, they got cleaned up, and now God brought them what they really wanted. 
12 springs, 12. How many tribes were there in Israel? Uh, one spring for every tribe. How many disciples were there? Oh, hmm, interesting. And there's 70 palm trees. I like this scripture in Luke chapter 9. Jesus called the 12 together and gave them power, what? To cure diseases. And it will later go on and says, I want you to go from here. I want you to proclaim good news, healing people everywhere. Later, in the next chapter of chapter 10 of Luke, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them out two by two. And says, I want you to go to every city. I want you to what? Heal the sick. And they'll tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you. So we got 12 disciples, and then we got 70 other disciples. We got 12 pools of water, 12 apostles, and 70 palm trees in a place called Elam where everybody was being refreshed and enjoying the pleasures of God after a bitter situation. Does life have meaning? Absolutely. One of the purposes of your life is no matter what the situation may be, you are to go into the world and do as Jesus told the 12 and the 70. Go and preach the good news. The kingdom of God has come near you and heal all those with sicknesses and disease. Come on. Psalms 92 verse 12, a close with the scripture. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Turn your neighbor and go, hello, palm tree. <laughs> yeah. You've probably been called lots of things in life, but you've probably never been called a palm tree. And yet we live in a community that loves palm trees. People spend lots of money to plant a palm tree in the front yard. You've got to be in the right place to plant a palm tree. I, I promise you, where I'm from in the Midwest, they don't plant palm trees. But God says, I got you right where I want you, and I'm going to plant you, and you're going to be like a palm tree. People climb palm trees to get coconuts and things like that. And look, look at this. You, you don't know this, but a palm tree, every palm tree has usable parts, different parts that you can use for different things. And they have found in one palm tree 365 usable parts for every palm tree. Not 364, not 366, 365. You ever heard the number 365 anywhere? A year. Can I tell you that there is, for every day of the year, God has you as a palm tree. Everywhere you go, you're a palm tree. We go, we, we plant palm trees down at the Gulf Shores. They, you know, they wanted to decorate, decorate the old boardwalk and everything. And first thing they did, they started planting palm trees. Why? Because people associate refreshing with a palm tree. Refreshing and palm trees go together. You are a palm tree planted of the Lord. Everywhere you go, God's filled you with 
this ability to bring refreshment. Listen, if people are get in your presence and they leave thanking God that they're away from you versus thanking God they're with you, then you're not a palm tree. You're a cactus. Wow. So these bittersweet moments that God brings us to, he brings us through these bitter moments, shows us a revelation of himself we didn't know before, so we can turn around and go out into the world and say, hey, I, I've been where you're at. I, I know exactly what you're going through. But can I tell you, here's what God's done for me, and here's what God will do for you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to visit us online at summitchurch.tv or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at summitchurch.tv.